Today on the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast, Charlie Cox has said that he's not been asked about Daredevil in Spider-Man 3, but we all know that's a lie. Shang-Chi could be set in the five-year gap in the snap. The snapping, the blip, the blip. The blip. And James Gunn has confirmed that an Easter egg, the last Easter egg, has been 70% worked out. All that right is that we have no control over. Welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe Podcast. My name's Matthew Carroll. And I'm Jeff Randall. All right, Jeff, what is happening today? How you doing? Man, it is day 437,000 of uh, isolation, it feels like. Yeah, it does feel like that, doesn't it? It does. I am... Uh, I, How are you? I, I am... In I'm in the similar boat, you know. Uh, I've I've been uh, the hardest thing is not working for this long. It's not normally what I do. I know I'm used to being a pretty. Uh, I mean, I've still been working a lot in my isolation, uh, but it's you know doing a lot of podcasts and music, but like not making a dime for like <laughs> like very little money for like two months almost now. It's getting a little <laughs> tight. Things are getting rough. Things are getting rough, my friend. <laughs> but to eat the dog. Not really. That's a joke. I would never eat my dog. I just have. To, I just want to take a minute. You know, we've we've tried. We're trying to do this every month now, uh, and it just turned May. And I just wanted to give a shout out to our new patrons that came on board in April. Uh, we have some really really kind pledges. Um, just honestly, all you guys who joined up in March and April. I know a lot of people are going through hard times right now, and those of you who were able to join and 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 you know, had the means to do so, it really means a lot that you did that. Uh, we have. Uh, I think uh, four people who either uh, gave new pledges or upgraded. We got um, Zach Manthe. Thank you so much, oh, Zach. Thank you, Zach. That's awesome. Uh, Danny Wolf. Danny, you are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank uh, you, Danny Wolf. Matthew Rainwater, who has actually been our patron for a while, but he upgraded his membership to a, a, a higher tier. He actually upgraded to above the highest tier. So thank you, Matthew. That is huge. And even thank you, Matthew. And, and, and Jesse Solis. Uh, also uh, joined at higher than the highest tier and uh, actually gave the highest pledge we've ever seen. So thank you. Thank you, Jesse. Uh, that is incredibly generous. And we just are so thankful. There are people out there who love this content and want to uh, keep it coming. Um, we're going to be, we're working on content for just you guys. Um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, really. We love you guys. Love you. 3000. We love you. 3000. For real. Uh, how about I read this quick five-star review? All right. I like five-star reviews. Yeah, man. MK Klein 55 gives five-star review. Says, best of what's around. Listening to Matt and Jeff discuss the MCU is like talking with your friends about it. Always entertaining and engaging. Would give more than five stars if possible. All right. Thank you, Mr. Klein. Mr. Klein 59. Or Miss... That's just true. MK. Yeah, I've actually known a few. I've known two MKs who just went by MK. Like, they weren't Mary Catherine. I guess they maybe they were like, thank you. Uh, thank you, MK. Appreciate you. I, I want to think that every uh, MK that is female is a Maria Catarina, because it's so much more exotic and fun to say. <laughs> that is true. It is. I, I, I concur. <laughs> um, so, we, we got very, very little news, because, you know, we're in the middle of this big Marvel drought. Uh, but what we got, we got Charlie Cox says he has not been asked. He says if he, I, I did read this article. He said that if, um, they're having Daredevil in Spider-Man three, it's not his Daredevil. 
Man, hashtag not my daredevil. Yeah, um, that would be really upsetting if they went with another guy. How bad Wouldn't would it? that be? That would be worse than not doing it at all. At as good point. as he was in in that role, and as good as that show was, mm-hmm. like, how can you ignore that? Yeah, man. As that's, a studio, that'd be rough. That'd be really dumb. Um, but so, so this, you know, there's a lot of things this could be. This could be misdirection. They have not uh, be, always been truthful with us. And you know, I, I've said it many times. Lie to me, Marvel. Lie to me. If it, if they can somehow <laughs> surprise me with Daredevil showing up in uh, Spider-Man Three, I would be down with that. So if you want to lie to me, that's fine. But um, so I'm not totally sold that this isn't a lie. What do you think? <laughs> and it, you know, it it says that he hasn't been asked. And it could just be a yet. You know, he hasn't right. been asked yet. Right. It could be that he's one of the last things they'll film to try to keep it a secret as long as possible or all kinds yeah. of things. Could be all kinds of things. <laughs> I mean, you, of course, you know, if you if you film Charlie Cox last, then that puts like that puts Tom Holland at the spot like as far back as possible from dropping every bit of knowledge ever because he's really bad at holding secrets. That's a good call. Like the, uh, was it, what movie was it? The shawarma scene. They apparently filmed the shawarma scene. I think like super late in the game, like right before the movie came out or something. Right. Isn't that right? Yeah. It was like, it was like a couple of weeks before the movie would finally release. Yeah. Maybe they should do that with the scene just to like not <laughs> tell Tom Holland that it's happening. <laughs> they might have to. It'd be like one of those classic bad soap opera things or like bad TV things where you can tell the people aren't in the same room at all and they never were. <laughs> Just like keep showing Tom Holland, then cut to Charlie Cox, then cut to Tom Holland. Yeah. Uh, I, 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 you know, I just hope they make it work. I just hope they make it work. Right. I mean, I would say that like he could just be another lawyer in, in the room that's, you know, observing or, you know, another, yeah, you know, uh, some other retained person yeah. in some way. Yeah, if he's just in the background, Tom Holland doesn't even have to know. Right. <laughs> Tom Holland doesn't have to know. That's the, that's the excuse that we have. <laughs> They're like, we, we fully planned to put Daredevil in this, but there's no way Tom Holland could keep that secret. Yeah, um, right. So we, we couldn't do it. Sorry, guys. That's the uh, that's that's what we're going with. See, we read we read the words that he said, but then we looked past that and we're like, what's the real story here? Tell me what you think about this. What if Sony, without Marvel's permission, hired Charlie Cox to play Spider-Man's blind lawyer, but never called him Matt Murdock and never called him Daredevil and just had him there? So it's like a weird connectivity thing, but you, they never actually say it because they don't have the rights to it. And they, <laughs> they never say Nelson and Murdoch. Just, you no. know, it's, just, he's a lawyer. Just to, like, they could even just cut to him being defended with no like information at all about it. Uh, you don't even maybe even hear him talking. You just like see him in the courtroom and then they just like kind of pan over and you see Charlie Cox is defending him and then it cuts to him in jail or something. Right. Like <laughs> it's a dumb idea. It's a horrible, horrible idea, but like, come on, just do something for us. Give us a little yeah. daredevil mixed in our Spider-Man. <laughs> just, just a little bit of daredevil and peanut butter in my yeah. Spider-Man chocolate. Yeah, exactly. I think. You know, the the obvious like the obvious route that they need to go where Marvel has the rights is um 
using Jennifer Walters, uh, going with She-Hulk, because she is a superhero attorney. Like, that is her role uh, as far as in the legal system in the comics. Like She's very much about that life. But it would be super simple to have her have, like, two attending, you know, helpers, so to speak, who never say anything, who are just also sitting at the defendant's table that are Charlie Cox and... Um, Foggy, whoever his name is in real life. Uh, Eldon, Eldon Henson, I think it is. Huh? Good job. I would not have known his real name. Yeah, I, I got a lot of useless knowledge <laughs> up in here. Well, okay, so their next piece of news is uh, Shang-Chi. Uh, there was a, a little set video that someone released. And in that set video, there is graffiti on some walls behind um, the, the action. And on one of those walls is uh, graffiti that says 2020. Mm. Now, this means approximately nothing for lots of reasons. <laughs> is that why I did that clickbait intro? <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it means absolutely nothing because it could be, you know, it could be nothing. But it, I, the reason I think it's kind of interesting is like, what if... I would really like it if we see some of these new characters like Shang-Chi, for instance, if they're going to start their story similar to what they did with Captain Marvel or with Doctor Strange, where, you know, it goes backwards a little bit and starts to tell their story or Guardians of the Galaxy, for that matter. Um, it'd be really cool to get some movies set in the world of the blip, you know? Yeah. Even if it's just the origin of a character that like by the end of the movie, they're caught up to our time. It'd be really neat to see some of these characters like go through the stuff of the blip, you know? Yeah. We've got this whole like five year span that we didn't get to see the world that they were living in. Like we didn't really get to see the world that they were living in for those five years where there, there are so many people that could very easily say, you know, the, uh, the Avengers got beaten, they got destroyed, whatever. The world needs heroes, and I have this power, I need to step up. Like, boom, there you go, hero origin story during the blip. And you have five whole years mm-hmm. to work with that. Like, there's so much! Not to mention, you know, we've they've talked about ever since Iron Man rose up, all these other heroes are kind of rising up with him. And it's, it's like it, the Avengers kind of are co- coalescing to protect the world. And it seems like, you know, I forget what movie it's in. Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm blanking. But in one of the movies, they talk about like how basically, you know, one person started this and then it keeps like getting bigger and there's more and more things every year. Maybe it was Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. where they talked that about that. That was Civil War. Was it in Civil War? Okay. Yeah, it was. Vision was saying since, you know, Mr. Stark said, I am Iron Man, the... Uh, the number of heroes and villains in the world has risen exponentially. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Our that's power it. breeds conflict. Mm-hmm. So, like, I just imagine in five years, surely other people rose, you know, other heroes rose. And it would just be really neat to see uh, what these other heroes are like. And, you know, who knows? We could see Shang-Chi, if this, if say this is true, and Shang-Chi's starting in the middle of the blip, and then his story could coalesce uh, where he meets Wong at some point in the story, and that could coalesce with us seeing the the uh, in-game battle from a different perspective or something, you know? Oh, man. Like, if... I, I don't think that the in-game battle from a different perspective would, would be a good idea, because that's going to kind of... 
I, I would say that that would not necessarily negate the gravity of the Avengers being there or the, you know, the, the original six and their struggle during that fight. But I think that maybe like a post credit scene where a portal just shows up in front of the guy mm-hmm. and he's like, all right, let's do this. And then it cuts like that would be awesome. Yeah. I would love to see something like that. Like if, if they're going to do stuff like this, I'd love to see him actually tie it all in. And, you know, Shang-Chi just seems like he would fit in pretty well with that, like the mystical nature of some of the Dr. Strange stuff. I don't know much about Shang-Chi. Tell me more. <laughs> well, the, the thing about Shang-Chi is it's not just that he's, you know, the master of Kung Fu. It's that the movie is called Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings. Yeah. So that's that's kind of what I was thinking is that the Mandarin is tied into all this, which, you know, right. the mystical like, power of the Mandolin, the mystical power of Doctor Strange and his people. So, yeah. Well, the the Mandarin's powers aren't technically mystical. They they look mystical, but only because they're like super advanced alien technology or whatever. Oh, okay. Man, I really wonder if we're going to get the Mandarin. And will it be the Mandarin that was alluded to in All Hail the King? Uh, that's that's what has been said, is that Shang-Chi is going to have the real Mandarin in it. Yes, but will they tie it? We know they're, they seem okay with negating previous content now, um, but that was actually something made by Marvel Studios. I would hope that they're not going to negate All Hail the King. You know, I would love to see... Trevor Slattery in the Shang-Chi movie. Mm. Like Sir Ben Kingsley coming in for, you know, a little brief cameo. You know me. As Trevor Slattery. Always love to see more Trevor Slattery. Like I am fully on board with seeing more Ben Kingsley in that role. (laughs) I I think it's his crowning achievement. (laughs) (laughs) Better than Monster. Better than literally anything he's done. (laughs) Oh, man. So, yeah, that would be, like, a really easy thing to just kind of sprinkle in there to to tie it back. Because in All Hail the King, uh, the guy said, like, he wants his name back. And Trevor Slattery is like, I don't know who you're talking about. I'm sorry, I'm still not getting it. So, like, just sprinkle that in, you know, just a little little tidbit, just a little nibble noms. (laughs) A little nibble nom. (laughs) <laughs> all right i like it isolation's getting to me man i'm watching all the internet videos <laughs> i watched a lot of internet videos today over on our mcu cast chat group which you should all be a member of if you're not already um it's a lot of fun over there over on our mcu cast chat group uh trent morris posted a video uh from new rock stars that was posted today guardians of the galaxy easter egg found question mark and it's a james gunn update of that or whatever and um Apparently, uh, someone posted a theory, and James Gunn posted that he was 70% correct. Ah, oh, 70%. That's so close. Yeah. And it is, it's the last Easter egg, because James Gunn has, has said for a while now that there's one more Easter egg that nobody has found yet. Yeah. And people have been, like, slaving to find it. Mm-hmm. And I... So, if you don't know, if you haven't seen any of this stuff yet, apparently some of this was a while ago, but um, there's apparently what this final Easter egg in Guardians of the Galaxy... Well, first off, I guess I should say the beginning of the story. I'm, I'm doing a bad job talking right now. Um, the, a few years ago, James Gunn said there was one final Easter egg that no one had found 
in Guardians of the Galaxy, and everyone's been digging for it. And there's a YouTuber named uh, uh, Master Tainer uh, MT. He goes by uh, who's been who's made like 15 different videos trying to guess it. <laughs> <laughs> and getting people to tweet him at James Gunn. And he's come up with so many different theories. But finally, uh, he came up with one. And it's basically, every time you see a new location in Guardians of the Galaxy, like a new planet or whatnot, uh, there are coordinates under each planet name. And those coordinates can be decoded to mean different things. There's like, you like have to figure out a cipher. And you got to do all this crazy stuff to, to be able to figure out... Um, and, and there's different, uh, some of them are done in leet speak, apparently, um, which I don't even know what leet speak is really kind of do based on these videos. But, uh, basically you can decode those and they mean things, uh, like one of them's, uh, you decode it and it, sa- it says like Meredith Quill's baby BD, which they take to mean baby daddy. <laughs> what? Yeah. It's saying <laughs> ego, uh, like it, but it's things like that. It's like, um, when you see the dark aster. Uh, the coordinates spell out um, Peter's mother's cancer or this is mother's cancer. This is mom's cancer, something like that. Um, when you huh. decipher them and it's, it's something it was, it, it's allegorical saying that like he has to face his, his, his thing. The, the enemy he has to face really is his mom's cancer and dealing with right. that. Um, so there's, there's all these things and it seems like they all add up to something else they all seem to relate to his mother and so there's something to do with his mother and it's so so it's 70 percent found but there's something else in the movie that is tying all this together and it's yet to be found it's such a complicated and he says there's an even more complicated one in guardians of the galaxy volume two <laughs> oh good <laughs> yeah and that one has also not been found yet so yeah and they might all, oh, they might all be tied geez. together. And it, if if you do decode this stuff, like um, the thing where it said Meredith Quill's baby daddy or whatever, like that is almost a direct uh, call out to the fact that ego, you know, that his father was ego, and his father will be in the next one. Um, when when you the place where you see Meredith Quill's baby daddy is actually uh, when you see nowhere, so you're seeing the celestial head. Right. So it's basically saying like. Uh, Peter Quill's father is a celestial like it, it's like and that's that's in Guardians of the Galaxy 1 so like three years before anyone knew that was going to happen they were like putting it in code on the screen huh. so there's all kinds of cool stuff I, I the uh, escape room fanatic in me once I found out there was like ciphers involved I am really wanting to dive into it and find good information but I can't find supposedly there's a discord server somewhere that like you can go to and there's people collaborating trying to figure it out <laughs> yeah all right um, I I am very interested I feel like uh, we, you know we got a lot of people in the MCU cast uh, uh, listenership that like like nerdy things and board games and escape rooms and such. We should all like combine our, our efforts and solve this thing. <laughs> Let's do it, people. Let's do it. <laughs> oh, man. Everybody come together. Yeah. I'm, I'm skipping through the video right now, just trying to like see what uh, what's going on. There's some complex stuff going on in here. Yeah, there is. Some of the issue with it that I see, though, is that it's not... It doesn't necessarily look consistent. No, it's not. That's 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 why it seems really difficult. Because like Meredith Quill is not a cipher. It's set to um, 
it's set up as a what's called leet speak, which is like no, apparent- I know about leet speak. Okay, Matt. well, you tell me what leet speak is. I don't know, I'm not <laughs> familiar. It's it's a it's a substitution of numbers for letters most of the time. Yes, uh, with numbers that look like they are, kind of are just like the 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 letters. Uh, you can sub them out a lot of times, like. Um, like in this case, it's M3RD17H, and that yeah. means Meredith. And then well, Quill like, is weird because Quill is 17211, and it's like the Q is the 17th letter, but then, yeah, you have to leave the two out, apparently. It's like, it's it's a whole thing. Like, it's it doesn't seem directly like you said it's inconsistent so that makes it even more yeah. difficult to solve because you don't know when to use a cipher and when not to and when to use leet speak and when to use what but anyway i don't know if anyone else is interested in this i find it super interesting and i want to solve it And if anyone else is on board hit us up the mcu guest <laughs> chat we'll like we'll fi- we'll figure out a way to all chat about it the mining colony nowhere it looks like it starts with meredith quill and then they just don't know what's after that Oh man, this that, is gonna drag me down. Don't drag me down with you. No, dude, get dragged into it with me. Let's solve this thing. Come on, <laughs> dude. How cool would it be to post on the post a video on the stranded panda page of our solution? You know, and then like tweet that stuff at James Gunn. Get him to mention our podcast. Come on, we got. And then that. have him be have him be like, you guys are so wrong, You're so dumb. Well, that's what's so. Don't funny. never talk to me again. It's really funny, actually. This guy, uh, Master Tainer, MT. Uh, he has a bunch of videos where he's throwing out theories and he's often wrong. And so he's like coming up with this amazing theory. And then literally James Gunn told him he was wrong. Like each time on Twitter and he's like, and then so he keeps coming back all defeated and he's like, okay, so I was wrong. I'm sorry. I was really excited. It seemed right. I was wrong, but here's the next one. And then the next week it's like, (laughs) okay, I'm back. James Gunn has told me I'm wrong. <laughs> also wrong again. He also in almost every video says this is his last one because he's just tired of being so defeated. <laughs> <laughs> it's really funny. They're really entertaining. But it keeps coming back. Yeah, they're super entertaining. I, I recommend. Um but yeah, let's let's solve it before MT can and uh <laughs> and beat him to it. Uh let's yep. get let's get that 100% complete. Let's jump in. Six years after the game. I know. They've already, he's done so much work for us. We're, but we're standing on the shoulders of giants. We'll, we'll give him a shout out. <laughs> like, thank you, MT, for doing all the work to get me to the finish line. Uh, it feels good. <laughs> when it's just a uh, an Easter egg, I'm not a big comics guy. So, like, digging through for Easter eggs is not... Well, it's not just comic stuff, though, that, that these Easter eggs are. Like, oh, I know. The, there's, like, the Slither reference. Right. Uh, I, I, just, mean, I just mean like I'm not that a lot of the references are deep comics references and oh, yeah. like I just as kind of assumed that the last Easter egg would be a comics reference and so I really wasn't that I was like whatever but if it's like a puzzle I can solve that is that is my jam right there I am on board <laughs> right up my alley yeah let's solve it guys all right if anybody else is with me y'all let me know I'm gonna try to get Jeff obsessed with it with me um <laughs> I'm, I'm I got work, man. I got work to do. <laughs> me too, man. Me too. That's no excuse. <laughs> There's no excuse. It's a reason. All right. Well, let's let's get into feedback. How about that? I got domain controllers to decommission, man. Domain controllers to decommission. Stop making up stuff. Uh, okay. Sure. 
<laughs> Sherman Smith wrote into us saying, I just thought of another funny thing they can do with the Wonder Man name. What if he starts using that name and they can have a fictional company send him a cease and desist letter stating that his name is too similar to their fictional female superhero? Mm. Oh, that's funny. I like it. Wonder Woman. I get it now. <laughs> I was like, come on, Matt. Come on. You could have just laughed and let me figure it out in my own time. Nope. You just like, you got it and just sat there and waited for me to be embarrassed. <laughs> <laughs> when you when you said, I don't get it, I would have been like, no, that's a good one. Yeah, that's really funny. Good, good job, Sherman. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> I don't think that they'll do that, though, because... I mean, it seems like a waste of time in the movie. You know, they got a lot of story to tell. Warner Man's got a lot of background. Nah, he's fine. Yeah. <laughs> it's fine. Uh, let's see. Thugosaurus said, hey, Thugosaurus, guys. Thugosaurus, I love it. <laughs> yeah, man. It's, a, it's the best dinosaur ever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, I've been listening to the cast since Winter Soldier, but this is my first time writing in. First of all, of the 134 views of Steampunk Douchebag, I think 12 of them are mine. Oh, thanks. Well done, Matt. <laughs> I also loved your thoughts about bringing Daredevil into the MCU, but he seems too small time for the movie villains. Would you want to introduce him with enhanced skills or introduce him with a smaller villain? I was thinking he could be a bigger character in a smaller story, maybe with a friendly neighborhood type of antagonist. Hmm. I personally think he should just, uh, shield should just use him as an operative or whatever. Like, like, uh, they should call on him. He should be the new black widow or whatever, you know, like the new that level of superhero that's like a good tactician and a good decision maker that isn't necessarily super, super powered. Um, but I think he's at least as powerful as like a Black Widow or a Hawkeye. He fits. He fits, you know? Yeah. He can be on the team. He's hard to uh, throw in there when you're going to have these new heroes like uh, Captain Marvel and uh, uh, the Eternals, which seem like they're going to be pretty powerful. Like all these people, they're going to be really powerful. It is going to be weirder having people like Hawkeye and Black Widow around. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of precedent for it. So I'm, I think there's plenty of room. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, it's been there. And, you know, he's. It's not that he's not necessarily that powerful. I think that he got, he got very depowered in the uh, the Netflix series, you know, because like in the in the comics, there's a lot that he can do with with the skills that he has trained himself to have. I mean, there's a lot that you can do by you know knowing where everything is around you. Sure, you, you know, with his reaction time and and knowing where everything is, he can he can basically never be hit. You know, it's similar to Spider-Man. It's very similar to Spider-Man. But, you know, there's a lot that can be done with that. And a lot that you can do to frustrate an enemy like um, like Taskmaster, you know. Which, mm. he's a big threat. Especially if he watches a bunch of videos of all of the Avengers, you know. Yeah, that is true. I feel like a lot of the Avengers' powers, though, are more related to, like, some superpower than just a skill set. So, yeah, I don't know if yeah. Taskmaster's watching the Avengers. I mean, sure, he's learning all their fighting moves, but he does still doesn't have the power of Thor or whatever, you know? Yeah, like, if I ever get that hammer, 
<laughs> I will tear it up. I mean, we don't know his character yet, but I doubt he's worthy. Yeah, yeah. I think, yeah, and the, uh, you know, watching videos of Tony Stark is like, you know, that what good is there in that? Because you're not going to have that suit. Yeah. Or a suit like it. Anyway. Uh, let's see. Next up, Reco Jet said, love you guys, but regarding last week's number one draft pick question, I'm confused on how the obvious answer isn't Captain Marvel herself. Admittedly, I am biased because she is my favorite comic character, but I still think she's the obvious answer, almost objectively. Look forward to that explanation, but as always, really appreciate all the content and best wishes to you and yours. You want to take this one first, or should I? No, you go ahead. I want to see... How far you've come, my paladin. No, I'll I'll tell you exactly uh, why I didn't say Captain Marvel. Because I didn't think of her. Wow. (laughs) I I was like, he's like, what's the most powerful hero? And I was like, who's your number one draft pick? And I scanned through my head, who are the Avengers? Because they're the biggest, you know, the Avengers. They're the biggest guys. And and I, I went through the top four. And I was like, those are the most powerful ones. And it like didn't even didn't even think about Captain Marvel. And I hate it because I know that a lot of people really love her. We got some feedback later um, from uh, Becky, uh, who, who, who says how much she loves uh, Captain Marvel. And I just hate it because I, I am not it. Sh- she's not the top of mind, which is a bummer because I really um, I know a lot of people love her character. And I feel I feel bad that she wasn't uh, in the conversation because I do think that um there's a a case could be made that Thor's more powerful. I, I don't know. I've never seen them go head to head. I think we'll get that sooner than later. Um, but yeah, I doubt it though. She definitely seems more powerful than Thor. I mean, Thor wasn't flying up and taking out those big, sh- uh, the dark Astra or whatever, or whatever that ship was that Thanos. Yes, he in. was. Was he? Yes. Like he didn't take out the dark aster. He was he was fighting not the dark on aster. the ground. What was, it, what was that ship that? Uh, right. I mean, it looked like the dark aster. It it did kind of, um, but I don't. Sanctuary think. is what it was called. Okay, yeah. no, that was what it was. What is it? I don't know, man. Thanos' ship. Right. Damn it, Thanos' ship. <laughs> but he was he was flying through other ships. If if you remember in Infinity War when he showed up, you know, bring me Thanos, and he was just flying through the ships that all of the Outriders were coming from and just tearing them up. Like, they were nothing. Okay. Like, he does that, too. All right. Like, he is incredibly powerful. And I think that what gives him the edge is that he's got thousands of years of combat experience under his belt, comparatively. Right. He's got lightning, (laughs) which, I mean, she's got photon blasts. So, like, those, you know, those negate each other, I guess I would say. You know, they're as powerful as each other, maybe. But, you know, he's, they're, they're both super strong. They both can fly. So, like, it's all, it all comes down to skill at that, you know, at that point. He's got thousands of years. It comes down to skill if they're on the same level of power. Like, if her lightning and, is his lightning and her photon blast are similar? Or if, um, you know, her strength and his strength and invulnerability are the same as hers? We just don't know that. Like, we right. don't know... Uh, we haven't seen them go head to head, and I and I do get the sense that she is, but that's part of the problem. That's part of why I don't uh, think of her, and she's not on top of my brain. Is because I don't know enough about her, and I don't know that so far they've made her such an such a powerful being that I can't tell where her limits are. And Thor, I've seen him get beat up 
by like I can't imagine Tony Stark being able to go head to head with uh Captain Marvel, but we've seen Tony Stark go head to head with Thor, you know? Yeah. And she just seems like she's on a different plane than a lot of the heroes, but maybe not. Maybe maybe Thor's right there with her, especially with his more recent power ups. I mean, if we're gonna go for we don't know how strong their power is, I would probably go for Scarlet Witch. Oh, for sure. Yeah. That's I mean we've had these we've had this discussion over and over, but yeah, those two yep. characters, they've not they've not defined their powers. And I it sucks because like I really like Scarlet Witch a lot uh, as a character, and I really um I, I'm looking forward to more of Carol Danvers, but it it, it sucks because so many people think uh, you're being sexist by not liking those two characters if you have a problem with them um but it has nothing to do with that it purely has to do with i I like my if you're gonna have a world of fantasy rules yeah if you're gonna have a world of fantasy like this if there's no rules it's hard to know what the stakes are it's hard to know what's important it's hard to know when what decisions have to be made like you need rules and so far captain marvel and scarlet witch don't have them I mean, suspension of disbelief only goes so far. It has limits. And if you can clearly define the rules for your world, it makes it a lot easier to to frame your suspension of disbelief, you know, within those parameters. Yeah. You, know, you have to have parameters. Yeah, 100%. And, the, and, and this all getting back to why we didn't pick her as our number one draft pick. For me, it was just I didn't think of her. You, you, you clearly think that Thor... Uh, would have this uh, w- would be able to take her. Yeah. All right. I don't I don't know if I agree, but I I can't really disagree cuz I don't know what her power levels are. All right. Everybody or, heard or, it or Matt his, agreed with me. Or his really. Like I mean <laughs> we, I can I can I can make them relative to other people and I've seen him fight people that and lose. You know, I've seen him fight and fall and get beat up and get thrown around by Hulk for instance. Um and I've never, I've never seen anything since she came into her powers uh, at the end of the movie. I have not seen her uh, be able to be taken down by anything yet. Uh, the power right. stone, I guess. I guess she got punched by the power stone. That's and that's a pretty high level of power. <laughs> it's in the name. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and really, with that, that wasn't even that she got taken down. It's just that she got thrown away. Mm-hmm. And. You know, had to come back. Got removed from the battle for a moment. <laughs> Whoops. I, I'm over here now. Uh, let me fly back over there. Yeah. And continue this fight. Um, but yeah, the, I mean, are they really ever going to, to have them like have a knockdown drag out fight? Or are they going to, you know, are they going to have like a bench competition where they, you know, find out who can lift more? Or, you know, are they going to measure the the amount of energy that's you know that that can be delivered with the the lightning probably not that mm. would be in the series that we would come up with where it's a day in the life of the avengers where they're like let's quantify what thor can do you know let's quantify these these photon blasts and see what we're really dealing with here yeah um i do i do think it's very possible we'll get a 
a little, I hope that we'll get a little more uh, boundaries for her powers and for Thor's. Like as we go, um, I'd like to see them fight the same person and find out who fares better. But a lot of that is not even necessarily direct power competition. Sometimes it's just how they respond to a certain character or how they match up their powers versus another's, you know? Yeah. Or where they are headspace wise at the time. Yeah, for sure. Whether or not they've gotten their mystical Uru hammer or Uru armor. Oh my God, dude, you've got to, you have to read since we're reading comics. Now you got to read fear itself. Fear itself had Tony make Uru weapons for all of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Like he went to Nidavellir and like Spider-Man was decked out in like Uru enchanted, the whole web suit was just like this crazy color because he put it on like, Oh my God. Okay. Sorry. Hmm. It was, it was real cool. Uh, so next up, Carlos spicy wiener. <laughs> Send us a message saying quarantine shenanigans. I've been listening to you guys and DC on screen for close to four years now, but I rarely write in, uh, with everything going on. I thought it would be cool to be more interactive where I can be. My name's Jim, by the way, the username is a family guy reference. I wanted to use this as a chance to do my five-star review here, too, since I also don't have iTunes or in, or anywhere to actually do it. Uh, I wanted to write in because I have been checking on or checking out some of Matt's music lately, and after listening to Steampunk Douchebag, I just think it's really cool. He does this stuff and music as well, especially for me because I play drums as well. I'm in a metal band called Familiar Dark, obligatory self-plug, available on YouTube, Spotify, and all other platforms. Hmm. Rolling on the floor laughing. <laughs> A fun question for you guys I came up with is this. It's MCU Battle of the Bands. Make a four-person lineup of MCU characters that would be in a ska-slash-pop-punk band, a metal band, and a jazz band. <laughs> Bonus points if you can get Dave and Jason to give their alternate ver- or alternate answers as well. Sorry for the long-winded message and keep up the good work. Oh, okay. So I, I, I did read this earlier. I didn't realize he was asking for three different bands all right let's see it's a lot of bands that's a lot of bands uh but let's see let's just let's, you know who 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 sam i feel like it's gonna be mostly who fits the vibe because we don't know their what their musical uh tastes are like so who would be in a ska slash punk pop band pop punk band um i would say that scott lang is gonna be the drummer yeah uh, yep yep i think the singer is probably uh carol danvers would you? Yeah, man. You saw her wearing all those 90s stuff. Nah, but she's wearing Nine Inch Nails shirts. I think that That's she's going to... She's she probably might. going for more of metal. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. But she's, she's, she's there in the 90s, though. I feel like that pop punk thing. And the <laughs> That's when thing. Ska was around. That's when Ska was around, yeah. <laughs> and... Um, She's all about the mighty, mighty boss tones. You know it. Mm-hmm. Uh, for, okay, so uh, let's see, pop punk. Uh, well, who you got as a singer for pop punk band? Um, mm, I'm trying to think. I, I don't know. Like, mm, Hawkeye. Yeah, no, that, that could be good. Yeah, that could be yep. good. It's obviously Hawkeye. He's, right. our, he's our singer. We'll keep Hawkeye. Uh, I'm going to put uh, Drax on bass. <laughs> you wouldn't think he'd be metal? No, man. No. See, Ska's hard, too, because there's so many different uh, instruments. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a four-man lineup. That's right. That's right. Uh, so we need a horn player. It's Ska. It's our four-person lineup. We need a horn player. We need a horn player. Who's our horn player? 
Commander Riker. <laughs> Commander Riker. Sorry. <laughs> he plays trombone. Wrong universe. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I don't know. Uh, who could be a good horn player for a Does it scout? only have to be heroes? Oh, is it only yeah, heroes? That's a, good, that's a good point. Like, we get like a good punky villain. Oh, no. I was thinking of, uh, of, of Ned Leeds, the best friend of Spider Man. Oh, I'm yeah. sorry, best friend of Peter Parker. Yeah, he, see him. He would play trumpet so much. <laughs> I don't. As as someone who played trumpet, I don't know how to take that. Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay, we'll throw Ned Leeds. We'll throw Ned Leeds on the trumpet. That sounds good. Yep. All right. Who's our metal band? I feel like these are mostly villains, right? They got that darkness to them. Uh, no, Thor is all about Viking metal. Oh, that's true. Thor. Thor. And probably uh, Meek would be would be in the band, right? <laughs> yeah, actually, let's just let's just make it all like uh, like Valhalla rock. Um, <laughs> well, if it's if it's rock, then uh, Korg has to be a part of that's it. That's true. That's true. Korg and Meek. <laughs> Korg on drums. I want to see Korg on drums. Korg, so Korg bad. on drums. Uh, yeah, I feel like Thor's the guitar player. Uh, he just oh, yeah. he just turn his axe around. Yeah, he plays the axe. Yeah, Come on, plays the axe exactly. <laughs> There's no singer though in a in a metal band. I mean, a lot of metal bands have singers. No, nobody actually sings in a metal F- band. Familiar Dark has singer. Has I think two singers if I have I'm not mistaken. Carlos Spicy Wieners. Uh, <laughs> listen, <laughs> listen, to, listen to their band. The band today. Uh, they got two singers. Check them out. Um, hmm. But uh, but what but would Meek fine. play fine. though? Who, 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 who's, who's bass player then? Who's the? Uh, let's throw a villain in there. You know, uh, Ebony Maw. <laughs> no, no. I think Ebony Maw. I think I'm about to save Ebony Maw for the jazz band. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> you know, you know, Steve Rogers would be in the jazz band. Oh, that's true. Well, he'd be a patron of the jazz band. That's fair. But I don't know. Sam Wilson's been teaching him. Ooh, yeah. There you go. Sam Wilson would absolutely be... I think he'd be the sax player in the jazz band. We're still talking about the metal band, though. Yeah, we need one we more need metal to get, band. We need, to, we need one more metal band Thanos. member. Thanos. <laughs> you know... <laughs> no! Oh, yeah, man! No, Thanos, yeah. Like, you often get those metal... You, got, you, get, you get a lot of bands, like, you know, Fleetwood Mac or whatever, where, like, there's there's band member with a really complicated personal history. <laughs> And in and especially depending on the metal, like some of that like Scandinavian metal, there's like real some real dark stuff that happened, like murders and stuff. Yes. So like there yeah, let's put is. let's put Thanos and uh let's put Thanos and Thor together. <laughs> they're like the Korg and Meek are their are their backing band, but then they're like the two lead guitar players that are constantly like at each other's throats. <laughs> oh man. No, no, uh, not Meek, no. There's there's a theme here. We have to have Thanos. We have to have Korg. Mm-hmm. We have to have uh, Thor, and we have to have Black Dwarf. Ooh, okay. Like it, and it's all, all big, just all big dudes. It's all just big dudes. I, I like it. I like it. <laughs> and then maybe, maybe Hulk. Yeah, no Hulk. Hulk would be owning the pit. <laughs> <laughs> Yep, Hulk would be the middle of the circle pit. 
<laughs> All right, so we said we said Sam Wilson and uh, and Steve Rogers. Okay, we'll put them together in a jazz band. Like uh, he's been teaching um, Cap about modern music, and uh, he's been, he's been training him the ways of jazz for some reason. Um, you know, we we could throw we could throw some uh, dueling sax, man. Just they could spend some time together. Uh, we could throw Agent Carter in there, you know, throw Peggy Carter in the jazz band. Yeah. Oh, man. Watching her play bass would be awesome. Uh, nope. Especially in a jazz band. Upright bass is going to be played by the cellist. Uh, that was, <laughs> that was, uh, Phil Coulson's girlfriend. I get you. I get you. Yep. It was, uh, Amy Acker, wasn't it? Yes, it was. Amy Acker played by, played by Amy Acker. And man, I love Amy Acker. I need more of her in my life. Where's she been? What's she been on? Uh, she was in The Gifted. Oh, was she? Yep. That makes sense. I, I put that on my list the other day of shows that like maybe I should watch. Mm. <laughs> you know, not, no, I shouldn't. Mm. I mean, the first season was, was pretty good. Uh, after that, it was just like, what are you doing? We've been talking about, uh, you know, we've been doing all these Alter Carbon watches over on Binger's Assemble, which is not the game plan for Binger's Assemble. We're trying to, we're going to end up spinning the Alter Carbon into something else and the boys as well. So I've been talking about doing a t- some TV watch watches. And we're mostly going to be trying to do mo- uh, current TV stuff on whatever our new podcast is called that we do TV shows that aren't MCU related. Um, but, uh, uh, Pandavision, man. Y- yeah. It's got to be. I-, I do like that a lot. I think. <laughs> Pandavision is a pretty great, uh, pretty great name that you, you came up with today. Um, yep. So we're, we're working on we're working on putting that together uh, to 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 have a place to put shows to separate shows from movies. Yeah, because we're doing bingers for movies. I, I feel like Legion is. I really want to do Legion at some point. A lot of people have told us we should do Legion. I've heard it's good. Oh, for some reason I thought you had seen it. No, not Legion. I watched The Gifted. Okay. Not Legion. Legion's supposed to be great. Maybe me and you doing Legion would be a good way to launch that show. Yeah. Uh, that'd be fun. Of course, we, it would have been nice to do it in the time period where we didn't have a show to cover. We're about to have um, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. to cover every week. Maybe we can do that yeah. in the next few weeks. Maybe we'll do a few Legion episodes. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know, man. <laughs> we we also supposed to do Deadpool for Binger soon. Yeah, but we, we got a, you know, we've got, we've been in a drought. We, we got Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. coming up. In uh, what one, two, three, four weeks, four weeks from yesterday, and then after that, once those thirteen episodes are done, uh, we'll still have like three months before our next MCU thing. Man, okay. Well, so we've got time in there. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Uh, okay, so let's get to the back to the feedback. We've got a few more feedbacks. Yeah. We, uh, we finished our bands. Now we can move on to the next one. <laughs> All right. Nerdytastic said, at MTU cast, you let Hulk be in charge of concessions and or the referee. That's how you include him and not hurt people. Hashtag always take the third option. <laughs> She's talking about last week. We were talking about how to get let Hulk play in a flag football game. Man, this drought has us asking some weird questions, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> in the last in the last two weeks, we've talked about how to get Hulk involved in a flag football game and how to get Hulk involved in a metal band. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag include Hulk. Yeah. Uh, Hulk inclusive? Hashtag 
don't leave out the green. I don't know. <laughs> don't fear the green per? No. God, that's dumb. Don't. don't what? <laughs> I didn't understand the words you said. The green green per? Did you use green per? I said green and per, so reaper. <laughs> You know, no, I, I got it. <laughs> Green Reaper. Green Per. <laughs> Green Per. It was stupid. Why'd you make me explain it? <laughs> Nathaniel Blanar said, Adam to you cast the Thor argument seems to be about what he learned from Ragnarok. You are assuming the lesson was that he doesn't need a hammer. That was not the lesson of Ragnarok. The movie was not about the hammer. His power doesn't come from a lack of hammer. Point taken. Uh, I think that that's, that's possibly true. I do think that like... A big part of the movie, though, is I don't have my hammer. And then they're like, 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 I don't have my hammer. He says I lost my hammer a bunch of times. Like, he's really upset about it. And then they finally go, you never needed the hammer. Like, it's a, it's kind of a. a yeah. Yeah. Like, it's, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, important part of the story. It's not obviously, obviously he learns that his power comes from elsewhere. But uh, so what you're saying is a hammer doesn't hurt. I guess is what Nathaniel's saying. Like he, just because he doesn't need a hammer doesn't mean a hammer doesn't doesn't help in some way or a big axe. It's like a uh, it's like a focus. It's like yeah. a focus point for that power. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure that's what Odin said as well. Because Odin asked your Odin's were like, "You're not? Are you the god of hammers?" Like, no, you're the god of thunder. And the hammer was only a, a tool to help you focus it, if I recall correctly. Okay, I don't remember. Yeah. Uh, Nathaniel also said, it doesn't mean he, this is talking about Iron Man, uh, it doesn't mean he can't make s- more suits after Iron Man 3. If you notice, he doesn't deal with PTSD after Iron Man 3, even though he's still building suits. That's what the end of Iron Man 3 was all about, and that's why it's an excellent movie. Adam, so you cast, this is a big four-tweet threat. Love the cast. <laughs> oh, I guess we only got two of those. Whoops. I don't know how I missed the other two. Maybe they were responses to those. Okay. My apologies, Nathaniel, if we missed those. Uh, but yeah, this is, uh, it doesn't mean, uh, yeah. So yeah, like, I don't think, there's nothing in those movies, in both those cases, the both these things that we, we've talked about many times, um, there's nothing wrong with the way they did it. It just, it felt like they were definitely making a statement about him blowing all his suits up. And then we find out later that he was, like his, I mean, he was making that statement to Pepper. He Like, we knew from earlier in the movie that she thought he was a little obsessed and, him blowing them up was supposed to be a symbol and a promise to Pepper. Um, and we find out later that was the case. It's just so, so it is weird that he just goes right back to it. But yeah, agreed. He can still make suits and he does. Yeah. Uh, you know, honestly, like if we're talking about the PTSD that he was dealing with, I like the way that it was personified in uh, Age of Ultron a lot more. When he was like, I went to space. You guys remember that? And everybody's like, nope, nope, you you haven't said anything about it. And he was just like, oh my God, like, I have all of these feelings and we have to talk about it. This is why I have to do the things that I have to do. Like he was, he was justifying it in that way, you know? And it was like, he was, it's, it was, this is the reason why I drink kind of thing. You know, it was that, it was almost like an intervention where he was fighting back. And 
it, that was his his reasoning for putting his shield around the world or putting the suit of armor around the world. Yeah, you you like the way they did you because you've said you don't think that he would he would have that kind of reaction. You think you like the the active version of him, and I think that's um, that's fine for comics. But I think in this movie, like I think I like that they have him actually deal with it on screen because I think that anyone that goes through what he went through, um, <laughs> going to space. Almost seeing your city destroyed, going to space, dying <laughs> as you fall, and then waking up. Like, it's all, uh, and thinking you're dead for sure. Um, uh, you know, I-, I like the fact that they let it go, let it go there, you know? Yeah. And the, uh, the vision that he had, uh, cause that was, wasn't that? Oh, in Ultron? Yeah. And didn't he also have that vision in Ultron? Wasn't it? No, that was. In Ultron, the vision came later. Vision, yeah. Well, it was in Ultron. the The vision came after that that whole uh, speech. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I believe you're right. Yeah, for sure. Because that's yes, that's after, that's before he creates Ultron. Well, and yeah, the Ultron's the, the one that has him go. Uh, has the has the witch mess with him? Yeah, yeah. Um, oh wait, or does no, 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 no. I'm that, wrong. That because discussion has, happened after Ultron like came together and then left. And yes, but everybody's that, like, that Tony, why happens, would you do this? That vision happens in the very first scene when they're taking that castle or whatever. <gasps> it does. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Because it, yeah, he was seeing the um, the the Leviathan hanging from the chains. Yep. Because at that point, the twins are working for. Um, that was before the title sequence. Yeah, uh, Strucker. Strucker. Yeah, the, the twins are working for Strucker, and so yeah, it's even before the title sequence. You're right. Yeah. So that's that's when he, see, he has that vision, and that's like set, setting up everything all the way through Endgame, you know? Yep, yep, yep. So yep. cool. Such a I, I need to go back and watch. I, as much as people, I think Ultron is one of the weaker of the Avenger of the four Avengers movies. It's probably the weakest. I love Ultron. It is great. There's so yep. many good stuff in there. Um. <clears throat> have you seen that there's uh, there's been people in the MCU MCU cast chat group that have been posting their watch orders or like their rewatch orders? Yeah. Like how they're how they're going about it. Mm-hmm. I know Ashley Coffin posted one today and someone else posted one on that thread. Yeah. I uh, I've been reading through a lot of them just like trying to piece together why you know why each one is a good uh a good one. And just kind of saying, like, mm, well, mm, let's compare. I don't know. Like, Ant-Man and the Wasp before Infinity War seems a little, I don't know. There's mm-hmm. that one little post-credits part where it kind of gives some stuff away. But then she does make a good argument uh, that if you've got a couple of movies after that, it gives you enough time to forget that that happened. Or, you know, if you didn't know, you were just like, oh, my God, what happened to them? Why are they? Why are they Ash? And then a couple of movies later and then Infinity War. And then you're like, oh, that, you know, that's why. So mm-hmm. anyway, it's, you know, it. I, I went through watching all of the movies in my head again, basically. Mm-hmm. That's just fun. like, why are we doing this? Yeah. I think I should just go and watch them all again anyway. Yeah, agreed. Why why not try it in a new order? Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to say the joke that I came up with because it's pretty dirty. Steve Abramowitz <laughs> said, guys, you should binge Legion. Unbelievable direction, acting, and soundtrack. Probably best Marvel TV ever. 
That's a bold statement, sir. That is a really bold statement, but it's not the first time I've heard it. Um, Steve, I've you seen right. Daredevil. <laughs> also, uh, there's another reason I would really like to watch uh, Legion fairly soon, and that is because uh, the the guy Noah Hawley, who um, who is the showrunner for Legion, yeah, he is now writing and directing the new Star Trek movie. Um, the the and and it's supposed to be a whole new direction, and he's just supposed to be a great uh, writer director. He also did Fargo, which is like super critically acclaimed. So I'm really tempted to go watch both of those shows, uh, mm. if for no other reason to see what he's like before before he makes a Star Trek movie. Star Trek movie, yeah, movie. Okay, okay. So it's not going to be um, in the Kelvin timeline. <sighs> Uh, the uh, with Chris Pine and all them. Yeah, that's what I'm. There, that's what I'm wondering. It's unclear. It seems everything Noah Hawley's saying. It seems like he's writing a movie outside of that. Like he said, um, someone asked him if uh, he wanted to recast all the Star Trek uh, guys or use the same one, and he said something about, "Well, when you're introducing new characters, you normally want to cast someone." And so it sounds almost like he's telling a totally different story. Uh, that might be just a different story set in the Star Trek universe, which I love that idea because I just, just like are the complaints with Star Wars, um, similar complaints could be made about Star Trek where, you know, they keep going back to the same well of the same heroes and same villains and same stories. And yeah. those of us who've been following them for 30 years want them to move forward and not keep going back and mining the same material. Uh, it's just like Palpatine or Khan or whatever, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, uh, having everything beholden to these, what, two or three captains of the Enterprise is like, come on, man. Yep. There's, there's a whole Starfleet that you yeah. could that you could pull from. My favorite uh, Star Trek show is DS9, which is the least u- utilized outside of uh, the show itself. Like Voyager, especially now that Picard has come out, uh, Voyager has seven of nine in it. And so, like, there's this strong Voyager connection. Um, they had a couple Easter eggs in Picard about uh, DS9, but nothing actually, like, on screen. And I really want more DS9, like, connectivity, because it's my favorite show. But it's, mm. I think it's the least um, well-known show. A lot of people saw it, and it was so different than what they were doing on Next Generation that they just kind of, like, eh, this isn't Star Trek, or this isn't what I wanted, or whatever. But if you stick with it, it is such a great story. And it's like super uh, good overarching storylines and stuff that like, it's way before its time. Like uh, the producers were like really hard on, uh, when when it came out, the producers of Star Trek, like the big the big wigs of Paramount were just like, Stop telling overarching stories. We want people to be able to watch at any given time, like watch it from week to week, you know, because that's how yeah. TV was back then. This is like mid nineties. And, uh, they were like, they kept sneaking in like long overarching plots that, that like kept kind of getting them by. And, uh, there's a, there's a documentary about it, about how they like really wanted to push, um, the push the thing, the guy who uh, made that, uh, Ronald D. Moore, the showrunner for DS9, went on to showrun Battlestar Galactica. So, like, that's the kind of guy he is, that he tells those great overarching stories um, that have real adult themes and stuff, and I just love it. I just love it so much. I want to rewatch that, too. <laughs> I want to rewatch everything. 
You get a lot of stuff to rewatch. All right, moving on. So Becky sent us an email. Hey, Matt and Jeff, I'm really keen to hear your thoughts specifically on Captain Marvel and what the future may hold for Captain Marvel 2 and beyond. As a female, I really connected to Captain Marvel as it spoke to me in a number of ways. Carol Danvers is a badass. I actually consider it one of the more enjoyable hero movies, quote-unquote, in the MCU, not an Avengers or team-up movie. For me, it had everything. The 90s throwbacks, a killer soundtrack, a good mixture of action and funny moments, as well as really touching moments that were straight out of an indie film. Safe to say, I was thrilled recently when Captain Marvel 2 was given an official release date. 2022 is gonna be awesome! Mm. I remember being so hyped when Brie Larson was announced back in 2016 off the back of her Oscar win. And I, or as I think, she is a phenomenal actress. And I have to say, being a fan of the comics, I think she did Carol proud and was true to the comics' portrayal of Carol's sarcasm and dry sense of humor. I do concede, however, that it's not a perfect movie and some of the writing really let Brie down. Okay, so a couple of things. I've read that Captain Marvel 2 will be set in 2023, or post-Endgame. And I was disappointed when I first heard this, as I fear uh, we will lose so much of Carol's journey by jumping from 1995 in Captain Marvel to 2023, or present day, in the current MCU timeline. That runs the risk of relying on flashbacks too much, but then again, by not doing that, we will lose nearly 30 years of her story. Uh, where has she been this whole time? That's There's a lot of ground to cover there, so I'm interested as to what you both think Marvel will do in that respect. How will they cover the missing years, quote-unquote, and tie it all into the bigger story? What do you think of that? I know, uh, I know, I know she asked a lot of questions during that, so let's uh, cover that yeah. paragraph first. Um, yeah, I, I think that can definitely be a problem. Um, and I mean, we see it in Endgame that Captain Marvel comes in and she seems like a very different character. She has a different look. She's a different level of confidence. She clearly knows all about the galaxy. And so it almost feels weird that they they told this origin story. Um, and in the end of the origin story, she barely got to know who she was. And now she comes back as like almost this omniscient, omni, uh, omniscient. Is that the word? I'm Omnipotent. No, I'm looking for uh, all seeing, all knowing or whatever. Yeah. Um, she's, she's That's like, om- omniscient. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I had it right. Uh, she's like this omniscient presence who seems to really know a lot about the galaxy and seems also omnipotent, uh, that she seems like she wants to go just take down Thanos with, without anyone's help. You know, she's just ready to go. So she just has this level of confidence and ability and know-how and knowledge of the universe that it is going to be a strange leap if you jump 30 years, you know? Oh Yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of, of learning that has to go on for her, um, both, you know, a, as far as who she is and uh, both learn like as well as learning what she can do, what she's capable of on her own uh, and even how to be on her own, because for so long she was a part of um, a part of that crew with uh, with the Kree. So, you know, ha- yeah. being being the protector of uh, a race of or a, a sect of the scroll race to like put them out on their own and, you know, get them started. Like that's cool and all for uh, what, a couple of years maybe, but we're talking like 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. I, like it, it, it's weird. It's weird. I mean, and maybe she's still involved in that. Like this thing that we see fury up there still working with the scrolls. Like, I feel like that's going to, that might tie into a captain Marvel too. Um, that maybe she's been helping the scrolls kind of establish an entire network uh, and try to figure out what all they're doing. Uh, I don't know. 
But I, I do feel like it's going to be a big leap though to go. They already did a sort of, in my opinion, um, not amazing job of introducing her character because I don't know. I don't know who Carol Danvers is. You know what I mean? Yeah. I know what she's been through. I don't know who she is. Do you know that red letter media thing or the red letter media question? Uh, you know, how do you describe a character? Uh, if you don't, if you don't describe their position, their appearance or what they've gone through, like their, what they've done, like, can you describe a character? And I can't really do that for this version of Carol Danvers. Is she smart alecky? I guess is one thing she is. Yeah, she's a she's a sarcastic smartass. Um, yeah, and I li- I like that element to her, but I, I that's about all I got for like a pers- personality traits that don't relate to just like her being a powerful powerful being. She wants to go up, you know. She doesn't want to be held back. She's got this uh, this desire, determined this, this aspiration. Yeah, she's determined. She's got this aspiration to 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 not be held back in any way. To be you know allowed to fly. Um, yeah, but see that to me that, uh, allowed to fly determined is, is a, is a trait allowed to fly. That's just part of her story. Like what she wants and and wanting, wanting something. Yeah. She's determined. She wants that. She wants to know who she is. She wants to be self-actualized, I guess. That's, that's a, that's the thing that she is and wants. I don't know. Yep. She's tricky though. She's, she's not like there's other characters. I feel like I can do that better with in the MCU. Um, Especially, obviously, especially now when they've had so many movies to flesh so many of them out. Well, the hard part with her is that we came into the movie with her. Like, we got dropped in right with her and kind of discovered who she was by the end of it. Mm -hmm. And usually in these movies, like, you, you, especially like, for example, Captain America, The First Avenger you know who Steve Rogers is as a person, as a, as a core hero before right. he ever gets superpowers. Right. And Captain Marvel, we don't e- she doesn't even know who she is. Right. She doesn't know who she is until the end of it. So that, you know, that's more difficult to get the audience on board with who she is other than the empathy of she has no agency and hasn't had agency. And we have to give that back to her so that she can, you know, determine who she is as a person, especially who she is uh, with these powers. Like that, all we have is that, that empathy, you know, kind of feeling sorry for her plight. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, you know, that's, that's a rough place to put the character, especially a character that powerful who they want to be the leader of the team going forward. Like you really, you either have to, you have to to make them identifiable and snarky fun because everybody likes snarky fun like Iron yeah. Man or you have to make them just a really amazing good person who you know is who's going to be the leader who's going to be a hero Captain America right i think that might be actually part of what doesn't resonate with me about Captain Marvel um she when she comes back in Endgame, she has this confidence about her. She has confidence all the way through, I guess. Um, but the sort of snarkiness she has, like the sort of snarkiness that Stark has, is like born out of his narcissism. You know, it's like he's so full of himself and so confident that he can just say whatever he wants. And he, he like, he just, he's, he's toying with everyone all the time. And he has this real playful nature. Um, 
I don't, I don't know. I just her hers felt a little more like here's a here's a thing she is instead of like it being born out of the way she thinks or whatever. I don't know. It's just like she's just kind of sarcastic and snarky, like she is. You know what I mean? I don't know. Well, I mean, she's a child of the '90s, right? So right. <laughs> or she she existed in the '90s, so of course she's snarky. Well, that to me felt like she's a. She's in the 90s, so like, yes, that is a trait of 90s characters, but when you're talking about those 90s characters that are that way, you're talking about like the sort of um, loser club types, you know, like uh, the Darias of the world, like they were super snarky, and instead she's like a military uh, badass soldier who who, who admittedly has has lived with some... uh, hardship and and been uh had a hard time achieving her goals because of sexism but like it didn't she doesn't feel to me like the same kind of character that like a daria or whatever is i'm trying to think of other snarky 90s characters it kind of felt like they were like look look how 90s this movie is she's so snarky (laughs) instead of like (laughs) that being a trait that felt bore out from her character anyway anyway that's all neither here nor there i don't even so what do we think they're going to do with her with this 30 years how do you think they'll handle it that's the question that he asked i have no idea me neither um (laughs) we i guess we're just expressing our desires for what we want out of it Uh, i don't know how they'll handle it yeah they're in a tough situation because they want to bring her into the modern day but they also want us to care about her they gave us an origin story and a lot of us don't, it didn't resonate with. So, but you know what? It really does warm my heart to hear Becky talk about her because I, I looking at it through Becky's eyes, like I'd see that there's a lot of value to this character that even if it's not for me, you know, like if she, she's not the character for me, that snarky, uh, determination and especially, especially for women who have faced sexism, which is all women. Um, like, you know, uh, that sort of snarky determination and power that she has, like that's, that's a really, uh, empowering thing to see. So uh, I dig it. Yeah. I can tell you what I don't want though. What's that? From this, this 30 year gap. I don't want a story about how she is, uh, whipping around the galaxy being kind of a police force on her own Hmm. um because that runs the risk of uh of of going into um nova Corps territory and she's not you know that's not her shtick well stay out of nova's backyard i don't i don't know about that because that's kind of every superhero's backyard though if we're being fair every superhero is like like seeing the problem and going and solving it so like you can't say like you don't want her stopping bad guys or whatever that's that's, which could sound like a you know policeman running around the galaxy um i mean she clearly does give like uh different beings around the galaxy ways to contact her so she can go out and help them yeah yeah that's like what we've got from her so far Do you think everybody has a pager? <laughs> yeah. It's like whatever what, whatever the uh the technology of the day for that particular planet. She just has like retro technology on every planet that people can call her. Man, think if if, if she had been in the like mid 2000s 
uh, Fury would have one of those like razor phones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh man! All right, Becky also says uh, in her last paragraph. Another thought I had uh, was about which characters from the first film will make it back to Captain Marvel 2, or if there are any new characters from Carol's stories in the comics that may make an appearance. No doubt we're going to see more of Fury and Talos, and even an older Monica Rambeau, uh, as we'll see her in WandaVision. I thought Lashana Lynch was fantastic as Maria Rambeau, so I really hope that we haven't seen the last of her. Maybe she'll play an older version? Or if there's any chance of seeing Carol's comic canon relationships, such as her BFF Jessica Drew, Spider Woman, but I'm not sure she's I'm not sure if she's a Sony owned character and how that could work. Becky in the UK. Hmm. I tell you what I really want to see is just I really hope they continue the storyline of the scrolls and fury and all of that that we got a little taste of at the end of Spider Man. That's what I want to see out of a Captain Marvel too. Yeah, I want to know what's going on, and I feel like she's involved, and you know, well, you know, this one little incident does not end the Kree Scroll War. No, like, for sure, she's got a lot of. There's a lot of fences to be mended there, or a lot of people to crush the skulls of. You know, either one. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about the world building of Captain Marvel One and where it leaves the the Kree Scroll War and. Uh, I think we'll pro- very likely we'll get her mentor again, the Jude Law character. It was Jan Rog. Jan Rog, yeah, that's right. I think he'll be back. And in in, in that case, if we if we're gonna get more Talos, more Fury, more Jan Rog, like I think we're gonna probably deal with uh, the Kree Scroll War in a more epic way, maybe. And I could see that being a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. And it could also tie into a lot of other characters from the MCU that are out there. Um, you know, we've we've talked about when are we going to get Nova? When are we going to get um, Beta Ray Bill? When are we going to get Adam Warlock? Adam Warlock, yeah. Like, and what if what if he shows up in Captain Marvel as part of this war? You know, that has started yeah. to span the galaxy. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Do we know when Guardians of the Galaxy three is coming out in relation to this? Man, uh, no. I'm just thinking, like, how cool would it be if they do like an arc that involves Captain Marvel? Uh, into uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and then into something else. And it's like an arc of three or four movies that tell the Kree Scroll War, like how it ended or whatever. Oh, what if we get like a cosmic Avengers? Like there's sure. Avengers on Earth, but then there's also like we got the Guardians out there, we've got Captain Marvel out there. Uh, there's, you know, Nova shows up, Adam Warlock has a thing or two to, to say about it. Thor. Like Thor's going out there, like. There's so much that could be done there. Yeah, man. I think they would be called the Revengers, though, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we got a, we got this last one. I saved this one for last because it's uh, least applicable and might get me in trouble. Oh, oh, I see Anakin. Oh, no. <laughs> the Andy Joe shows us. Matt, Matt, Matt. You must accept the truth. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. Ethics of Star Wars, number one. Should Anakin turn to the dark side in order to save Padme? Number two. Should I take should these one the at a time? Should I, should I uh, shoot yeah. these down one at a time, I should say? Uh, sure. Go ahead. Should Anakin turn to the dark side in order to save Padme? Why does he have to? Like, well, that's that's my exact point. That's why Star Wars is so um, simplistic. 
Because instead of being like, I want to learn this power of the dark side, he like murders a bunch of children. It's like an on evil in, in the, in the star Wars universe is like an on off switch. It's like he decides to be, he decides he wants to follow the dark side and I get it. He's following Palpatine and Palpatine tells him what to do. And he does it because he wants the power that Palpatine needs to teach him. But like, it's it just the, the on off switch of like, I want to save Padme. Therefore, how far are you willing to go? And if they'd done that over the course of two or three movies where he's like slowly delving deeper into the dark side, but they don't, it's kind of like, I want to save Padme. Here's how you do it. Go kill a bunch of babies. And he's like, sure. <laughs> I mean, I'm on board. Um, <laughs> cool. All right. <laughs> if like, if like they had in the second movie, he had learned some dark side trick and he had done something smaller, evil to like, convince him because that's how evil works you like it's a slippery slope thing it's not a like it's not a switch and i feel like he li- he just like he's just evil all of a sudden um <laughs> yeah anyway that's so that's 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 why i don't think that's a good example um should the mandalorian turn in baby yoda to the Biscar steel no clearly no there's no like real deep ethical question should you give up a baby to be killed no this is the same thing <laughs> like <laughs> um th- that's the thing is like yes that is a decision he had to make but it wasn't like a thing he had to weigh the uh good or bad aspects of it's just as the audience we clearly knew that he should he should not give up the baby to the empire like we knew that he shouldn't. It wasn't like they explored an ethical quandary. It was just like, he shouldn't do it. And then it was just like, what kind of character is he? Well, his, the show is called the Mandalorian. So he's probably the kind of character who's going to make the right decision, <laughs> you know? Um, so maybe, uh, sure. Like, and if he hadn't, uh, then it would have like, at least been like, Oh, maybe he learns over the course of the series to be a better man, you know, like, um, and he will. And I, I'm not saying all star Wars is, bereft of meaning i just think that like the ethics of star wars is fairly simple most of the time although uh mr matthew s fox who does the star wars universe podcast with you jeff um he yep. he wants to he wants to have me on and, and convince me of the same thing that andy that drew is trying to convince me of so i i'm i'm down i'm, I'm willing to be convinced but these are the uh, yeah I'm I'm shooting these down but uh, I, I think this last one's a little better. Uh, is it okay? See, and here's the thing. Here's another one. Is it okay for the rebels to destroy the Death Star? Most of the stormtroopers didn't choose that life. Shh, that is a great ethical question that Star Wars never explores. <laughs> that is exactly my. We are left to explore on our own. We are, we are left for Kevin Smith to make clerks so that he can make the point yep. that, uh, that the, that those, the, the second death star still had contractors on it. Like, um, and, and also, yeah, yeah, again, it's a great, it's a great ethical question. These, a lot of these, uh, stormtroopers are child soldiers. We see that, um, uh, Finn, right? Yeah. Finn, uh, like yeah. gets away from it. And in the third movie, there's this whole thing about him, um, uh, you know, uh, you know what would have made that last movie great, by the way, just to get into some Star Wars. And this is what I thought they were doing. We saw that there's a leg, leg legacy or like a legend of Finn that like spread through the ranks of the stormtroopers. And now there's these other stormtroopers that are also leaving. Right. Sure. 
In 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 the in the last movie, no. Okay, I guess. Spoiler. I didn't. I didn't get the sense that they left because he had this legend. I think it was just that they also had left. Uh, okay. You may be right. I've only seen it once, but I thought she says that some of them like left because he left, like I mean, and realized maybe. they could. Anyway, whether or not that's how it happened, maybe this is because I had canoned it and 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 think this works way better. What they should have done and what would have been super epic is if they use that scene to establish that Finn's decision to leave like sparked some rebellion in stormtrooper ranks and others decided to leave. And then in the final battle, when he shows up, he could have like gone over the like comms or whatever and convinced a bunch of stormtroopers to turn on the emperor. That would have been yeah. awesome. Like they took you from your homes as babies. Yeah. Like take your life back. Finally have that conversation about we're all child soldiers and we need to fight. Um, instead like use, um, use your words instead of your blasters, you know? Um, and, uh, yeah, anyway, so, so the, n- none of those three convinced me that Star Wars has, has, is, has complex ethics. Um, <laughs> they, 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 they are all examples of either bla- very black and white ethics. There's no question. It's just black and white. Um, or, uh, an ethical question that Star Wars never explores. Like they, they it's, it's right there. They definitely could have had that conversation. Um, and, and the truth is they just weren't thinking about it that way. Like in this, like, um, uh, what is it? Seventies when the first one came out, it's like the empire is just an evil force. It's like, it's just like the Nazis. Uh, they, they are an allegory for the Nazis in many ways. And it's just like, these are bad guys who are serving a bad, bad people. And there's, there's nothing to be said there, but it's also the whole, like, I'm just, just to talk about the ethical questions it does not explore the, the ethics of AI, the fact that there's like all these robots who can clearly feel pain, (laughs) who like freak out when they're getting zapped and stuff like that. Um, and then they never discuss whether these should have any kind of agency or freedom. Um, at least yet I keep feeling like they're going to go there because it seems like such an obvious thing for these, um, droids to have some sort of agency but they don't at least not in the stuff i've seen i've always seen the movies so i don't know yeah. what they do. i mean apparently the um the series uh clone wars uh, goes like really deep into a lot of uh, a lot of things like you know the ethics of cloning uh you know what if droids you know have agency of their own can you know can claim that they're a, a person as long as they're sentient are they sentient um I, if I re- if I remember discussions that I've had with friends uh, correctly, mm. the the Clone Wars goes into a lot of that kind of stuff, and it's got like seven seasons or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that sounds cool. That sounds very cool. I just I haven't seen that in the movies. I feel like the movies have thus far been fairly simple ethically. It's very black and white. Yep. Good good guys wear uh, light colors. Bad guys wear dark colors really color-coded you know red sword blue sword like it's just really and it only takes one good deed to put you back on the good side to where you can disappear when you die yeah and, um yeah join the join the force well this thing it's the it's the uh, the end of uh darth vader's story is the switch it's like he has the switch he decides to flip it and he goes and murders a bunch of children and he kills a bunch of uh 
people in a village that seemed like real overkill. Um, but he just, he just turns dark so quickly. And then at the end, something, convi- you know, the uh, pain his son is going through uh, convinces him to turn on the emperor and he just flips the switch again and he's back to the light side. <laughs> it's like, it's not like a complicated thing. It's like, it's just, he's good and then he's bad. And then he decides to be good again and he's good. Like, and I, and I think there's, there's something to be said for that, that like, you're never, there is something to be said for that, that, that you're never like, you're never too far gone. You're always have hope of redemption. And that's kind of a beautiful thing, but star Wars doesn't really say it. <laughs> it just kind of like has this, uh, this very simple view of ethics that I, I don't find very interesting. And we're so far away from MCU at this point. That's why I put it people- last. That's why I put it last. I even said it. This one's the last one for a reason. Anyone that doesn't want <laughs> All to, the people that have gotten onto us before about going down rabbit holes of Star Wars are like, God, would you stop? Listen, there's no, uh, there's no MCU content for another six months. Probably five <laughs> months now. I think it's five months. I think we're getting... No, no, it's still six months. Uh, so we're we're gonna keep uh, we're gonna keep doing this, and we're gonna keep talking about all your feedback. And sometimes it's about <sighs> Star Wars, and you know. And we would have been going today. We would have been going to see Black Widow today. Oh, yep, you're right. Mm. Right now, actually. Oh, you're right. It's like seven sixty. Yep, you're right. I would be at the theater right now, getting my popcorn or whatnot. <sighs> so sad. So sad. I'm um, sorry. I didn't mean to hurt you again. You, you kind of did. Uh, you kind of hurt me. I uh, am really excited. We're, we're covering these comics. Uh, we're doing uh, House of M 1 through 4, and we're going to be talking about it over at Patreon this week um, for our first ever patron-only episode. So if you're into that, uh, by the time this is up, that should be up as well. Um, and we're going to be talking about uh, House of M at, at uh, books 1 through 4 from 2007, 8, something like that. Uh, it's 2004. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, so if you're interested in becoming a patron, go to patreon.com slash mcucast. Uh, th- that'd be awesome. 2005. Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. So we'll be talking We'll be talking comics for first time in a while. Um, and uh, let us know what you... Th- uh, patrons, let us know what you think of that. We'll, we'll, help, we'll have all those conversations on that episode, I guess. But uh, anyway, mcucast.com. Uh, we're at... Uh, strandedpanda.com has all the stranded panda shows you can find from us and our friends and uh, we'll be back soon guys um peace until next time true believers